0: is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Resca. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. It is mid-December and... Quite some snowfall here outside my office window. So it's time for the annual reviews. Everybody is doing that, and I'm also doing this, giving you a quick look back into 2022 with a couple of highlights. I had, um, I will talk about some events uh, that I found remarkable. I will talk a bit about some technology, some issues, some highlights, some lowlights that I experienced. And at the end, I will also give you a preview on my professional 2023, the upcoming year. At the end, I mean, the end of this year, the beginning of the new year, that is just something that happens in calendars, just a switch of the numbers. But it's also a bit more. We have this, what we call in German, the time between the years, which means uh, the time between Christmas and New Year, this one week that we have there, which is an opportunity to stop, to pause, to make revisions. My friend Ilya Greshkovitz. He said, December is the new May. So we do the spring cleaning. We are cleaning, clearing it out. We are correcting what we do and we reorganize ourselves in this time. And I really like this time between Christmas and New Year because everything calms down, everything slows down. Because most of the people start working, at least in the, the bubble where I work, and they... Yeah, so it's coming down, and it gives you the time and the opportunity to rethink things, to set up new things, and <coughs> sorry, <coughs> excuse me, and to start, start again. So, um, a look into the past. What happened in 2022? First uh, of all, three events that I attended uh, that I found uh, very remarkable. The first one was in January, the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show at Las Vegas, and the CES 2022 was a live event. I mean, 21 due to the pandemic was an online only event, and they brought it back to Las Vegas on site. And I had not been really sure that it's going to really happen until I was there, because Many big companies canceled. There was this new Omicron variant of the virus. And so many withdrew short term. And I had the fear, the idea that they may stop the entire event, which they actually did not. And so we ended up with a completely different kind of CES. I mean, it had been there um, since I started my own business, 2016 was the, the first one I attended as uh, the CEO of Beyond HMI. The Before I had been there a couple of very few times um, as an employee. But since I have full control over my travel budgets and since I am making the decisions in, in my company, I have been there every year. The show was different than all the others. I mean, the the number of exhibitors dropped to below than 50% from 4,500 to 2,200. The number of visitors went down to less than 25% from 170,000 to 40,000, which actually had a couple of advantages. No need to stand in long lines if you want to grab a sandwich and, and uh, a soft drink. Getting the batch is uh, usually an exercise that takes you 45 to 60 minutes in regular years. This year, it was close to zero. It was not even three minutes that it took me. I mean, I was the only guy that showed up there and said, hey... Here is my paperwork. Give me my badge. They gave me a cardboard box with a couple of corona tests and uh, the badge. And then I was fine. And I, I I could leave. Disadvantage, obviously, less people, less opportunities to network, less people to meet, less technologies. So everything was a little smaller. And the halls, the exhibition halls, were pretty empty. I mean, 50% of the of the uh, 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 exhibitors did not show up, some of them short-term. So they filled that up with sofas and tables and bar chairs to have at least something. But I, I had the, the Gary Moore song, Empty Rooms, in my inner ear all the time I was there. This year was the first year when the West Hall was used, which uh, is the new hall built uh, on, a, on a former parking lot. And it is for the see as the Automotive Hall. And so all the automotive companies, the suppliers, uh, the OEMs, the tech companies related to automotive. They were all located in the west hall which makes it pretty easy to walk around to have it very condensed to see all the automotive people there so that that was a very fine thing another one that i found outstanding was the so-called tesla tunnel tesla had a couple of electric vehicles of their cars with drivers and uh, then there was a tunnel built from the West Hall to, I think it was the South Hall was the last station. And it was like an underground train, but without rails uh, and, and using Tesla cars instead. And that uh, was pretty convenient, was free. You just needed to line up and then yeah, somebody was driving you to, from one hall to, to the other. So those, those were the things that were, let's say from an organizational point of view, totally different. Some, some techie trends, some, some important things there that, that happened. I mean, there were quite a few new vehicle manufacturers. One that I remember was Indie Electric Vehicle, Indy EV from um, Los Angeles. I checked it out on the internet. It seems like they're still active, like they want to bring out the car. Maybe next year, maybe the year after. Then Vinfast was there, the um, car maker from Vietnam talk the turkish company talk and also one company i remember is the canadian company uh, electra mechanica micro mobility was one of the trends at the ces just like scooters to stand on scooters to sit on e-bikes that was very prominent Then software ecosystems complete networks from cars, charging stations, the entire digitization happened. One, one obvious example of that uh, was the, the booth of Hyundai Mobis, which is um, a first-year supplier, um, a company out of the, the Yannai, um Group. And they did not show any any products. All they had was huge walls with um, cartoons on it, and you could uh, have an avatar and find yourself in this group and in this, on this, on these uh, video vaults. And they were demonstrating the possibilities, the chances of connected cities, connected mobility, connected vehicles. So, different way of, of approaching that. Charging infrastructure was a big point. It was clear that charging infrastructure is more than just the wall box or a charging station. It is all about networks. It is all about uh, uh, software. It's about data exchange. And that was very clear uh, at the CES. I attended another event, I think it was in September, early September in Berlin in Germany. Which was about the future of mobility, and ninety percent of the booths were about wall boxes. So it, it, it's it's not really clear for me where we will go to. Will it be more a um yeah, isolated wall boxes, or will it be or oh, charging charges? or will it really be a network a digital network that, that we will build up with all the chances and all the opportunities and all the benefits we can can get out of this another thing was that it seems like lidar sensors are on the race as far as automated driving is concerned i mean they have clear advantages they are 3d or even 4d representations of the environment they have a very high resolution but they have the disadvantages that they are expensive and that they depend on the weather but that's one thing that i see as one of the big things for the upcoming year or years what will be the sensor combination i think it will be a sensor combination that will be the uh, technolo- technological foundation of automated driving I didn't find too many new things in automotive HMIs. There's not too much new. Large displays, of course, uh, from A-pillar to A-pillar. Sometimes displays as fragments. Small display here, another display there. Um, There were hardly any exceptions from that. There was a company out of northern Bavaria called uh, Kurz. They presented their uh, idea of a smart surface combined with the Swarovski crystals, Swarovski glass pieces. Um, that was a pretty exciting. That was a pretty exciting uh, uh, exhibit that they had there. All right, what else uh, at the CES? Uh, the uh, BMW e-Ink for external HMIs. They covered a mid-size SUV fully completely with an e-ink foil and they they were showing some kind of um, art artsy thing there for me the my, my HMI brain started running right away okay what can we do with that can we use this for communication of the vehicle to the environment to pedestrians to other cars and can we use this for commercials, for example? So I don't know how, how far they have gone with that uh, in, the, in the past year, but that is a technology that I think has quite some some uh, potential. Re, a company from Israel, showed their electric platform. I give them a pretty good chance that they really make it to the market with their um, skateboards, with their... Wheels, tires, steerings, uh, wheel-integrated uh, engines that they have. I have seen that they will be on, on the show in January as well. And I'm looking forward to, to see what progress they made and, and how they may con- uh, continue with uh, with all this. Yeah, and then uh, the, the most exciting booth, um, as very often in many different years, it is the BMW booth which this year was more like a piece of art or pieces of art like like a modern art museum and they used uh, this to show interactive pieces of art um, artificial intelligence arts and the nice thing with bmw is you can get a water and a coffee there just to rest your feet and your rest your brain a bit on the booth so yeah let's uh Uh, wait and see how how it will be on the next show the second event was in summer that was in uh, late June the car HMI of WeConnect at uh, Berlin in the summer it was the 11th edition here in Europe there is a US version as well and uh, they tried during the pandemic to set up an uh, online digital version of the event for me The Car HMI is one of the top events if it is about automotive UX, UI, HMI, user experience, human machine interfaces. All that is discussed on on very high levels there. They have a very good idea on how to get the best possible presenters. Um, They have interactive formats. It's very good to expand the network to discuss things. So I have attended the last six or seven conferences and always liked it. And yeah, for, for me, this one was live on-site, um, 200 people on-site, about the same number online. Under pandemic conditions in a year before, and in 2021, there were about 80 participants. Before Corona, um, there were almost 400 people on-site. And so you can still see that many companies do not allow attending this kind of events. They uh, hesitate, Uh, they're reluctant on sending people there. And some of the people, they just don't want to travel to this kind of event. So this has changed. And I mean, it will be very interesting to see how this will change in the next years. Will we return to a pre pandemic? numbers of participants or will we stay at least partially online with a lower number of professionals in the event locations the uh, relevant topics of automotive HMIs were addressed it was about markets all the backgrounds bit of theory technologies development processes so all that was was handled in a way. And I found five very, um, let's say, remarkable aspects that were discussed. One was that, that multimodal HMIs are often designed as silos. So you may have in a car a voice recognition, you may have a gesture recognition, and you have your touchscreen or your, your central controller. And they are all developed independently from each other. So you can do almost everything with everything but you cannot switch between starting an input with voice and then continuing on the touch screen or activating something with a gesture and then fine-tuning it uh, on the screen all that is in most of the cases either difficult or impossible so we have this side of thinking and that was discussed in Many different workshops and I discussed this with uh, many professionals there. That is something we need to work on. Definitely an open point. HMIs in electric vehicles. You need to adapt the HMI and first of all the functions, the functionalities to the specific use cases you have in electric vehicles. So you have these special needs of drivers. For example, the range management, the route planning, um, the charging, charging schedules that you have, the reservation of of the charges, so all, all these are things that need to be reflected in automotive HMIs of electric cars. Another point discussed a couple of times was the. Um, were the commercial drivers of trucks buses delivery vans and that is also a workplace that's not only a driver's place like we have it in our private cars but it's also a workplace we need to consider this if we design HMI so they need to be need to be designed differently because people are doing a job if they are driving a truck a bus or a van on the other hand They are also humans. I mean, just because they make money while driving, it does not mean that they are some kind of different human. So they have a lot in common with all the others. And I find it very interesting that this fact, this balance that we need to find with all the professional features and and the professionalism, the need to make money in a driver's seat, to combine that one with natural human needs we all have the dreams and the abilities that we have and just because it's a professional driver or it is for a professional driver this is not an excuse to make an HMI worse and at Auto Car- Apple CarPlay those were discussed a couple of times I mean I have my opinion on this one I will talk about this in the highlights and lowlights a little later there is a very strong user pull for these technologies. Users like the large range of, of apps uh, they have. Um, they're always on the cutting edge of technologies. But with applying what Google and Apple is bringing us, we get problems in usability. We get problems in branding. We do not have the control as the automotive industry over the vehicle interior over the connectivity, brand identity, freedom of design, the optimization for surfaces in vehicles, that, that, that is gone. And I think we all agree that a smartphone is a smartphone and a tablet. And if you interact with that, and I, I made a podcast episode about this one this summer that we have this uh, primary task uh, paradigm so if you drive a car the primary task is driving so you need uh, you can apply only 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 remaining resources for the secondary task which is searching in playlists uh, playing music uh, navigating making a phone call surfing in the internet all that needs to be done with the remaining cognitive resources Opposed to a smartphone and a tablet, where all these interactions are the main task, and this needs to lead to different HMI solutions. And then the fifth point of the CES uh, of of the sorry of the current HMI um, innovation for the sake of innovation is not good. This will not create value. And I was surprised that this was discussed uh, more than once at the meeting, because this is my major mantra. This is one of my major points that I say, hey, we need to put value into technology. Otherwise, it's just junk. And if we do not make human lives better with technology, we just don't need to develop it in a way. And that was discussed. So very positive From uh, very positive takeaway for, uh, from, from this conference for me. And the third event is the Bosch Connected World. I talked about this one in the last episode of the Human Technology Podcast, published uh, early December. The first ever hybrid event, um, but it was was at least partially live again after the corona break. I expected something like 200 participants, um, maybe, I don't know, 10, 12 booths of exhibitors and I was surprised how big this event is. 1,500 people on site at Berlin, plus another around 10,000 online and 80 different exhibitors. Subsidiaries of Bosch, Bosch companies, Bosch departments, but also partners, customers, suppliers. They were all there, or many of them were there, and showing really, really exciting technologies. things about circular economy, subscription economy, um, subscriptions as the business model of the future. And also crypto, blockchain, metaverse, everything that was on clouds, all that was discussed there with a um, yeah with a focus on the user, very strong user focus. I mean, in every every keynote, there was, or almost every keynote, there was a remark like, hey, we uh, need to take good care of the user. Um, if we do not create value for users, uh, technology is useless. So all these things, and they came up over and over again. And uh, yeah, so that was one point. The other one was merging the analog and the digital worlds that we have. as uh, as bosch says it's a companion for life which means every device every system everything is permanently updated and it's permanently online in the automotive sector there was a clear statement the car is not a smartphone on wheels we have different levels on safety on availability, security standards the reliability that was there, and one remark that I found pretty outstanding is that there will be no standardized HMIs, no standardized human machine interfaces in cars. They will serve as a brand differentiator. So, if you want to differ, differ from your from your competitor, make a different HMI because that is what humans see in car. That was uses. Uh, touch and feel interact with and if you have a differentiator here that will help you to become successful all right those those were the three events that i wanted to talk about in this uh, review episode of the human technology podcast the ces 2022 the car hmi at berlin and the bosch connected world Things that kept me busy this year, the positive ones, are the intelligence in the car. So I'm part of a publicly funded project here in Germany, which uh, wants to answer which use cases do we have for artificial intelligence in the car. At the moment, I'm working on a paper that deals with the question, how can we visualize artificial intelligence in the car? What what are the chances we have? And what makes most sense and what creates most value if we do that? We will not get around artificial intelligence in the future. It is already there. It's part of our daily lives. And we will have it in a car. And so the question, how can we make most benefit out of it, I think that is a very logical one and one that I really like to work on and uh, that that, uh, I like to contribute my thoughts to to find the answer in this one. Second one um, is the CASE mantra, C-A-S-E, connected, automated, shared and electric. It is still there. It is still driving large parts of the automotive industry, but the priorities have shifted over the past years and in the past year. Connected from a technical point of view is more or less realized. There we are on the edge of creating use cases. How can we create a use case out of all this connectivity? And predictive maintenance is one, data exchange is one, data exchange between cars and in between cars and between cars and the infrastructure traffic information all this um, all these are use cases and I, 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 I'm pretty sure that there will be more in the near future there will be the creative minds are working on this one and for me this creation of use cases for the connected car for the software defined car that is a top priority that that will be driving us in the next year or the next years. The E for electric is also reality. It's a political will. I mean, politicians want to apply electric drivetrains. It makes sense. The open question for me is how do we store the the energy, the power? Do we need to have a battery in the car or maybe hydrogen is, uh, is, is another way of storing that? So we are not... That, that will be an open point, but that we will have electric drivetrains on all new cars 2030, 2035, 2040 latest. Um, I, I don't uh, think that there will be a significant number of combustion engine cars, new combustion engine cars produced in uh, 2035 or after 2040. There may be niche, but not the majority. Well, a uh, automated. There is, I mean, we find out autonomous driving, fully automated driving, is far more complex than we had expected. So it will take a little longer. I mean, we have this. uh, We have a few applications: the Waymo car and Phoenix. um, They just started uh, first trials in San Francisco as well. So there is something happening. My belief is it will take longer than we expect, particularly because the OEMs focus their developmental capacities more on the connectivity and the electric part. So the automated driving or the autonomous driving has a slightly lower priority. It will come, but it will not come as fast as we thought five years or 10 years ago shared pretty much the same as for automated we will have the shared mobility private car ownership if you have a real look at it i mean it doesn't make too much sense anyway and it will fade out but due to the pandemic people human humans learned people learned how diseases spread how you catch viruses and bacteria and Sharing a car with others is one of these opportunities where you can catch a nice nasty bacteria or nasty virus. Many people learned this. And so they are withdrawing themselves from using shared vehicles, shared mobility. Again, it will come. It will take longer than we had expected, but we are on the way to it. And the third point on the positive side on uh, what, what kept me busy in uh, the past year is uh, platforms, electric vehicles, all the skateboard. Um, it will be um, exciting to see which of these concepts and which of these companies that are active in this area will survive. There are companies out there that produce platforms, uh, skateboards, um, and then you can buy a hat, or can you can buy them, and then you can build a so-called hat on it for a specific uh, vehicle fleet. And will this happen? First question. Second question is who will do that? Who will be the company that builds these hats that creates user experiences by producing seats, interiors, exteriors around probably specific use cases that a a, a specific vehicle or a fleet has. And there we must see progress step by step. On the more negative side, over-the-air updates are... One of the big things we discussed this year, I had a project uh, where this was a central scope. Um, how, how do we make a concept for this one? For apps, for infotainment, for non-safety related applications, this one is almost reality. I can download this one, particularly if I have one of these uh, Android or Apple um, systems in my car. I can download apps, I can update them. I can update all the uh, infotainment, the music software, all of this. And now we are getting more into vehicle related things. And the last step then will be that we can even download and update safety related software like the ABS system or the steering or any of this, the engine software. This seems to be a viable business model. What one Bavarian car company did this summer was that they said, All right, we sell a car with a completely installed seat heating system, but you have to pay 10, 12, 15 euros per month to activate that one. So it's a subscription. You get a subscription for seat heating. And sorry, guys. This is not a subscription model as we would like to see it. This is not um, what over the air update means. This is not, this will probably not be accepted by by the market. I mean, you have all the hardware in there, it could work and you hinder it from working with a piece of software and you have to pay 10, 12, 15 euros, dollars, pounds per per month to to buy something you already, uh, to use something you have already bought. That's, that's ridiculous. I see the cooperation between big tech. Big tech means the, the big Silicon Valley companies like Facebook, uh, Amazon. Is Amazon a Silicon Valley company? I think they're from Seattle. But yeah, that group, Google, Apple, um, they, they are big tech. And the, the cooperation between these big tech companies and the automotive industry is moving forward. So we have more technology in cars. We we can fulfill more customer needs and more customer requests. But we have quite a few downturns on this one. We lose control over the customer. So at the end, the, the, the car, I mean, if, if you as an OEM let these big tech companies into your car, you are selling your soul. You are... The, the exterior the drivetrains of cars, the exterior they will not be a big differentiator. The big differentiator between car brands will be the different user experiences. And if you say to Google or Apple or any of the other big tech companies hey it's yours it's, yeah my, my customer belongs to you you can do this then you give away a major piece of your differentiation, a major piece of um, yeah uh, innovation improvements, And uh, probably revenue. And the third negative point, uh, I have talked about this quite uh, a few times this year, is Android Auto. This is one of these examples. I had it a couple of times in different cars, different car brands. And to be honest, it never really worked smoothly. Sometimes it worked a little better, sometimes it was just. Awful, super negative experience. Things like GPS signals lost. Um, things like um, reset of the head unit. Things like um, I, the, the, the smartphone connected well to the car. I was driving, stopping at the supermarket, um, continue my drive 10 minutes later and nothing works. The the, the head unit and, 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 and the smartphone just don't connect with each other. That is a super bad user experience and i see it very critical that more and more car companies are looking into this direction and it will be uh will it be exciting well interesting it will be interesting to see how this will change in the future in the next years all right so much about the past year Um, a little outlook into 2023 the CS 2023 is a fixed point in my calendar in January. I have booked all my plane tickets, my rental cars, my hotel rooms, and I'm really looking forward to this event. The halls will be full again. I heard, I think, in August or September that the automotive hall, the West Hall, is fully booked. It's sold out so i expect that there are many exciting new companies that there are old companies with exciting innovations and um, yeah so this this is uh, something I'm, i'm looking forward to in the first big event that that will happen in 2023 the car hmi again is on my calendar is in the in the Planning stage at the moment, uh, it's not really clear how it will be and, and uh, what my role will be, but um, we are planning for this one. The changes in the automotive industry um, is the biggest. The, the changes we see at the moment are the biggest we see since the invention of the automobile. And this will continues. This, this will go on. We have this case thing. We have um, this integration of big tech into cars. All this will remain exciting in the next years. A few projects in this area are already in the pipeline for me. Um, Some others are becoming visible at the moment. I'm talking to my clients on what to do, how I can support them, where they can apply my my knowledge and my input. I have okayish bookings for my keynotes. There is room for improvement, definitely. I have a few bookings in spring but uh, yeah I, I would like to to go on even more spreads my word my thoughts my thinking change people with what i'm thinking and triggering change triggering new thinking this is on the top priority list for me for activities in the next years and i'm uh, receiving some some personal training at the moment that's all in progress. Um, some uh, others are planned. One one big one is in progress. That will run until spring. and after that, I have two new ones that are also in the planning pipeline. All right, I will make a break for a few weeks with the human technology podcast. I will return mid-late January with a report from the CES, from the Consumer Electronics Show out of Las Vegas. That will be mid-late January. Until then, there will be no new episodes. I want to use this break, as I said in the beginning, to recharge my batteries. I wish you happy holidays. I wish you a merry, peaceful Christmas, if you celebrate that. I hope that you will find the time to recharge your batteries, to regain energy. The mission we are on, making this world a better place with better technology, that eats up enormous amounts of energy. So it's important that we have these times of relaxation. I wish you all the best. Um, Hope that you have a healthy start into 2023. And I will be back. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, minus ruskercom and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de Tune in next time. Take care and stay healthy.